Would you pray with me, please? Uh, Father God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that we can stand on your promises. Um, thank you that we can sing praises to you, the King of Kings, and that we uh, will do so um, for the rest of our lives and into eternity. I pray that you would open our hearts uh, to the word tonight and that we would enjoy some fellowship with each other during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take a moment and say hello to those around you? We have a few announcements um, and some goings-on here at the church that we would like to make you aware of. Uh, First of all, Marriage Night is coming up. That's going to be October 17th, um, and that is going to be a good night of fellowship um, as married people learning um, about what marriage is from a biblical perspective um, and just some good time together learning. Um, That is also available um, to stream online, um, and if you have any interest with that, uh, please contact us here at the church. Also, um, our uh, youth fundraiser, um, we have every year here at Maranatha, um, the students uh, sell wreaths. Um, Pastor Tony, uh, we um, are, are doing it a little differently this year, but we are still going to be doing it, and um, Pastor Tony can get you more information about that as uh, time approaches for that. Uh, third, um, Cody was late to, actually he wasn't even here at staff meeting on Tuesday, so he got chosen to be uh, the candidate for the Pie the Pastor event at the Pregnancy Health Center. Um, so that is going to be October 4th, and there's more information uh, in front of the church office. Um, that is a great opportunity to raise some money for those um, who who cannot um, maybe afford uh, to provide some basic amenities for um, having a child here in Rice Lake. Also, um, our nursery uh, room is open um, on Sundays and Saturday nights, uh, if you have a child that needs a little alone time with you, um, and maybe just some time to move around, those are open. There is no uh, volunteers in there, but you as parent can go with your child. We are still looking for a couple of key volunteers in our children's ministry on Sundays. Uh, we need, um, a husband and wife team to commit to greeting our kids once a month, Um, basically, if you can smile, look friendly, and point someone down a hall, the job is yours. Uh, And if you would like to pursue that, please contact me. We're also looking for a few more substitute teachers, uh, just people being willing to get a call um, during the week and uh, help us disciple our kids on a Sunday morning. It's a very easy process um, that I can go through with you. And if you're interested in that, uh, talk to me um, tonight or shoot me an email during the week. Um, God is amazing, isn't he? Okay, that I'm sorry. God is amazing, isn't he? And like we sang, uh, we sang one of my favorite songs, Standing on the Promises. Uh, and there is another song um, that has the line, you can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. Um, and I would encourage you this week to get into the word um, and find out some of the promises God has for you and for us as a church. And uh, Pastor Cody now is going to come remind us some of uh, some of them from the book of Jeremiah. All right, everyone. Since you started over here, Brent, you started it, and then everyone kind of gathered around you, so that's fine. I'm just going to 
make sure I move and the camera's in this. In this first part, I want to just take a moment and, you know, we talk about different things when we celebrate. Let me get this ready here. But today I just want to take a moment and, and get a little serious here. Um, recently I've had to deal with a couple families in situations where someone had to and has chosen to take in their own life. And they've been very hard, obviously. And uh, in 2020, we've taken a lot of time making sure we're physically fine, distance and washing our hands. Some of you have washed your hands more this year than you have in the past 10 years or have gone through sanitizer or if you're at the farm, just kerosene will do, right? I mean, that's, that's good enough. So we take care of ourselves physically. We, we do a great job, even you know, as a church, I believe, taking care of ourselves spiritually. We, we anchor in the Word, as, as Pastor Aaron reminded us, we need to definitely stand on the promises, but just not stand on, but know those promises of God. So that's, that's very key. But often, we don't care, take care of ourselves in the mental capacity. And there's been such an increase of problems in the world related to just mental illnesses and just all the rise of just things going on. And as I said, with these families dealing with some of the situations, just people seem to be at this time at the end of their rope and they feel helpless, hopeless, and worthless. And I just want to take some time just to address that. And we as a church want to make sure that not only are we taking care of ourselves spiritually, physically, but also emotionally and mentally during this time. And uh, some, some of you might be dealing with anxiety and fear and depression and, and some of those things. And, and those words I said, helpless, hopeless, and worthless, maybe some of those words, you're like, yeah, I, I understand that word. So with that, I want to just address that and just say a couple things. I want to remind you, first of all, trust God. Trust in His goodness. Trust in His love for you. And trust that He's he's in control. And a few weeks ago, we talked about that. We need to rest up, rest in that. So I encourage you to trust in God and find hope and peace in Him. Secondly, I want to encourage you to practice self-care. And uh, if, if this, this happens once in a while, as a pastor, someone will call me and say, listen, I've got a family member who's in trouble. Would you please meet with them? You know, they're thinking of things that, uh, that I'm, I'm worried about them. So please, right now we need to meet. Now, absolutely, where are you at? Where can we meet? And when we meet, the first things I think about, now you may think, okay, as a pastor, he's just going to think spiritually only. Like, is this spiritual warfare? Trust me, I think of that. I'm, I'm praying and, and doing that. I even, if I get a chance, I'll call Pastor Tony or Pastor Eric and say, hey, pray for me. But also what I'm thinking is, has this person slept in the last couple days? Because I tell you what, if I don't sleep for three days, I'm going to be a little crazy, right? Same with you. Or if you haven't eaten for three days, oh, it's just your whole body just doesn't function well. I encourage you to take care of yourself during these trying times. Again, the world and its onslaught of, of different things are, are kind of bringing us down, but you can do things to take care of yourself. I encourage you to take care of yourself, not just spiritually, but mentally and physically do that. Another thing I encourage you is, and, and 
Pastor Aaron kind of alluded to that. Get your fingers in this. You know, that's one of my lines. Keep your fingers in the Word and your eyes on the prize. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Get into this. If you spend more time looking at media in a week than this, there's going to be a problem in your life. I, I guarantee it. Because, <laughs> as we know, there's not much truth in what we're seeing out there and just it's chaos and they're just getting us all worked about this is our anchor rest in that get your intake from the word not from other stuff that's your primary source of truth and second to last here i encourage you talk to someone we as pastors want to be available at any time my phone's on all the time some people think I'm crazy. My wife does, especially when it rings at three, 2 o'clock, but she normally falls asleep pretty quick most of the time. We want to be there for you. We as pastors, are. we want to be there and care for you. So if you're struggling, if you feel like you feel helpless, you feel like you feel hopeless, or you feel like you're at this point where you feel worthless, please give us a call. We'd, we'd love to talk to you. There's areas we are not specialists in. Trust me, I'm not a therapist. I'm not all that stuff. But I know the word. And they're the one that can help you. I can't help you, but He is our help, right? And lastly, Aaron, if you could help me out, or Pastor Tony, if you could help me this. You can give half of those to Pastor Tony. This is just to remind you, I'm going to hand these out here. This is from a series, Christ in the Old Testament, we've been going through. And in Exodus, we took time at Exodus 3.14, looking at God. His name, he presents himself to Moses as the great I am. He is Yahweh. He is this great I am. He is what you need. And often in Scripture, and I've listed a few of them, i listed seven of them there, he is Yahweh, and he compounds that with what the people need at their time. They needed peace. They needed victory. He was the, the, the banner at that time. He is the Nisi. That's, that's the, the Hebrew word for banner. When a banner was put up, it means there was victory. Even in fact, notice number six. Look at that. Jeremiah 23, verse 6. He, Christ, you know, is that. We talked about this last week. He, the Lord, is our righteousness. So look at me. If there are days or nights when you're struggling and you feel like you're at the end, this is our hope because He is our hope. Amen? And on the back, we have the I am sayings of Jesus. Again, in the book of John, it's throughout there, it's just amazing how Jesus, I am the bread, I am the way, I am the shepherd, and all these things. He is the one that we can turn to. And I'll be bold to say this. Without Christ, you will never find true healing. Uh-uh. There's great programs out there. Oh, a lot of them are very helpful, but without the, this factor right here, the God factor, you cannot keep God out of suffering and make it. In your suffering, you must include Him because He is what you need. He is the great I Am, and look at these things that He is for us. Well, let me say this. For most of you, you're like, I'm not struggling. I'm doing fine. I don't struggle with mental health. I don't struggle with depression. I know my worth in Christ. He is my hope and my anchor. Look at me again. 
every week you meet people who don't have that hope, who don't have the help you have, and don't know the worth that they've been created in the image of God. They have no clue about this hope. I believe this is a unique time, not just in our history in America, not just for 2020, for the church. These are the times when you look at church history when revival happens. I mentioned briefly this a few weeks ago, and I have been able to share Jesus more in the last month than I have in the last two years. Primarily because people need this. And finally, they're seeing their need for him. And they're realizing that other things don't satisfy. They're not meant to. He is to be that place, right? So I encourage you. You might be that agent of hope. The agent of help for those who need this. So I encourage you. Look at some of these verses. Look at the I am verses there of Christ. Memorize some of those so you can turn to those when someone has a conversation at work or someone somewhere else. And we also have these, if you recall, we have our resource center. These are people going through grief. And this is grief through death, divorce, loss, change. We've got resources here. Again, contact a pastor. So I encourage you, be one who surrenders often to the Lord. Not just in these areas of heartache, worry, anxiety, but also surrender by saying, okay, God, I'll be your agent to go out and let others know about the hope that we have. Because what if, I'm no prophet, but what if this is the last time, the last days? I'm not going to, we'll deal with that when we do with Daniel, and just, I think people get too bent out of shape about that stuff. But if this is, and we're in this baton race, Hebrews chapter 11, then Hebrews 12, we're the next ones, and we're going to run this race. He's chosen you for that purpose, pointing Jesus, pointing people to Jesus right now. What a privilege you have. Amen? What a privilege you have to share the hope. So let me pray. Father, I come before you and I just, God, I just pray for the few families that I've been connected with, helping, praying for. Lord, they are just struggling. God, you are the God of comfort. Oh, and show yourself to them right now. Even right now as we are praying, we ask that you reach the, the four different families I'm thinking of. God, minister your healing. And I pray right now that even in their conversation, if there's a conversation, that someone say, yeah, we need God in our lives. We need to start going back to church. We need help. Nothing else is helping. We need help. And tonight I pray for those families who are struggling. I pray that you would hear their cry and answer their prayer in the way you uniquely and divinely do. And Lord, for any of us that are struggling, I pray that you would help us anchor in the promises of God. And Lord, also help us teach this to our children, to our family, that we can have an open door of conversation 
encourage each other to stay in the Word, get off media stuff, and trust You. Because You are good. You are such a good, good God to us. And help us this week. And I pray that for a few of us, something will happen and we'll go, oh, this is my moment to share. So God, be with us in these times. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for taking a little time to help me think through that and just talk through that. And I encourage you, if you have questions about this or concerns even in your life or family member, please talk to us. That's, that's what we're here about. Before I get into a message, I see Pastor Tony, I forgot this was in the office. If you could, oh man, there's a mugshot of me. So in this, you have to vote. I forget how this all goes. Yeah, pie the pastor. There's a plate. The, plate, the pie plate is filled with the most cash, coins. Or, so unfortunately, if you put a lot of money in there, I get pied. Gratefully, it helps little babies, helps young men, old men, young women, old women, just helps people in these situations, the pregnant health center. Last year, Maranatha totally won, and they pied Luke Morris. It's awesome. This year, I hope I get pied again. So if you feel led to be a part of the ministry that we have connected here in our town, in our county, that would be great. All right, well, let's get into our message this evening. And I've, I'm going to do my best to keep it short because you might get cold, but just sit close to someone you know, not too close to someone you don't know. Recently, I went to visit my mother and stepfather, and every time I do, if we're in the car or I'm in his car shop, he works on vehicles, there's always the radio playing, and I'm going to just quiz my family over here. What era of music does he play? 50s. It's in my notes. Autumn didn't even read that. He always plays 50s music. How many of you like 50s music? Okay, there's a few of you. Even Pastor Aaron. All right. As we were in the car, we got in the car, we were going to go someplace. The first song on there was Lollipop. Lollipop, lolly. Okay, all of, some, some of you even know that one. You know. Okay. Then the next song was a song I knew. It goes, Daylight, come and we want to go home. What's that called? They all, it's really called the Banana Boat Song or something like that. You know? So I was like, wow. Then the next song was Apple of My Eye. And after the third song, I turned to my stepdad. I was like, I'm hungry. And he said, why? He said, Every song has been about food. And the next song, I, I, I tried to look it up, and I, I, like the playlist, I couldn't find out what it was, but I was like, every song's about food. His life goes, it is. And then after that song, Pat Boone, who was doing the Siri, I don't know how it is, satellite, now on our theme of food this morning, I'm like, well, of course, the theme was food, and it made total sense. If you take your Bibles, take a look at your Bibles, what's the theme of Scripture? What is this major theme that we have in Scripture? Now, we could take hours and study the different themes, and I believe that there are different ways to look at the Bible, and we see different themes that pop up in Scripture. Sometimes people look at it and try to understand the themes in a very wrong way. Typically makes this view, or a view that's wrong, is to make the Bible more man-centered anthropocentric if you make the bible man-centered and whatever view comes out of there i would say that's a wrong view they look at the bible to find good ways to live and character building and find resource materials be courageous like joshua make decisions like david 
Or be a leader like Moses. And they write books and, and they preach sermons on those kind of things. And this leads to a moralistic view of the Bible and the Old Testament. Again, I think that's a sad way of doing it. We have learned that the Bible is not just a story of human drama. In fact, who's the heroes of these stories? God is the hero of the Old Testament and the New Testament. God is the hero, not Moses, because there's a greater deliverer coming who will free and deliver the people by the blood of the Lamb being Himself. Moses is great, but someone greater is coming. God's the hero. God is the hero of the Old Testament, not Joshua. There's a greater conqueror coming, and Jesus comes to conquer death and sin and bring us life. Amen? Someone greater. David. David's fine and all, but God's the hero, not David. A greater king is coming. Jesus is greater than David. Unlike the throne of David and the kingdom of David, that you know that throne, that lineage, it stopped when the exile happened. It just chaos happened. Instead, Jesus is greater, and His kingdom will last forever. The best and correct way to view the Bible is to view it as a God-centered Bible, not a man-centered, a theocentric. And in this, not just read it and see it, but see and experience God's goodness. Because this isn't just a book, it's divine, it's living and active and powerful. The Old Testament follows God's one great plan of the history of redemption. And that plan is not only from Him, but its focus is on Him. Yes, we can learn about theology. Yes, we can learn about ethics. Yes, we can learn about morality. We can learn of how to live. But the main story is about God's great plan of salvation found in Christ Jesus. In this, we are to know God, to worship Him, and to obey Him. Remember, those are the three words we have in our series here. The way we've been looking at Christ in the Old Testament, there's different ways to look at the Old Testament. In fact, one of my former professors, his big thing was kingdom. That was his theme of the Old Testament. The way we've been looking through Christ in the Old Testament is through the words of promise and fulfillment found in the books and pages of the Old Testament and each week we've been looking at the New Testament. We've seen types, we've seen foreshadowing, we've seen specific names, we've seen real prophecies that have been fulfilled. And each of these talk about God's great love for us. How He saved His people. And that we would be in Him. And it's all found in the fulfillment of the coming Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. It's interesting that the Bible doesn't start with this great fulfillment. It doesn't start right with the remedy. Instead, it starts with the problem, sin in Genesis. But then it begins with the promise. And the promise is in the form of covenant. Now there's many covenants in Scripture, but some of the main ones, the first one is, the, the main one uh, is primarily that we look at is Genesis. We took time looking at it. Genesis chapter 12 through 17. Here is this covenant he made to Abram, to Abraham. And the initial covenant was promises and blessings. Here we have a promise to descendants. Remember, God made a promise to a man, and then that extended to his family. Then that extended to the nation. And as we've seen in 
the time even of David, it's going to extend to the world and to the nations, to the Gentile population. Then there's a promise of land and a promise to bless all humanity. In fact, in many ways, Genesis chapter 12 through 17 is kind of that foundation of this promise of blessing and covenant. It's the foundation of the rest of the Bible. How is God going to work this out? Then in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he was credited to him as righteousness. Then the covenant was made even stronger, Exodus 19, to Moses. So you got the people, they've been saved, chapter 14, chapter 15. Remember, they celebrate, they have this song, they, they, they celebrate him. Then they go through, through some problems. They complain, and they whine, they get kind of bitter. And then God says, all right, chapter 19. I'm going to be your God, you will be my people. And in chapter 19, God says, I'm going to make this, this vow. It's like this big marriage ceremony. We're going to be together. Will you commit to me as I commit to you? His covenant bound himself to them in love. And they responded in worshipful obedience. Not just in worship, but they said, we will do whatever you say. And then comes chapter 20, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. The covenant was a visual display of their commitment to him. And when you would disobey, guess what happened? Punishment. Man, we saw that in the Minor Prophets. The law was not successful in removing guilt, though. Priests had to come all the time, day after day, again and again. Sadly, they violated this covenant. And then the people wondered, will there ever be this restoration? They couldn't keep it. Then another covenant. The covenant was made in a beautiful way, a brighter way to David. Then David was given this covenant saying, guess what, out of your line, out of your family, will come this great king who will also suffer as a servant. Again, we went through the book of Psalms looking at that. The promise of a deliverer coming, a king is coming. A branch from the family line of David. So you got this covenant with abraham a covenant with moses and the covenant with david now take your bibles and go to jeremiah what we're going to do is we're going to take time looking at jeremiah in fact for the next three weeks what we're going to do is today we're going to look at jeremiah 31 next week jeremiah 32 and the following week jeremiah 33 so i encourage you read jeremiah 31 32 33 a few times each week so you get a feel for what's happening here in the days of Jeremiah, the people were hurting. They've totally failed in their commitment with God. The Babylonian Empire was upon them, breathing down their necks. They knew that doom was coming. They felt, here it is, helpless, hopeless, and worthless. We have totally failed God. Some of them even said, you know, we deserve this punishment. But God made a covenant with the people. Even back in the days of Moses, I will be your God and you will be my people. Exodus chapter 5. They remember that, but they wonder what is going to happen. This is very important. This is sometimes the way I summarize the Old Testament. God did not fail. The people failed. The people are the ones who broke the covenant with god something must change 
We got all this written, all the minor prophets. We see that they broke the covenant. Something must change. Can God change? God does not change. He doesn't change in his character at all. He doesn't change. He doesn't go all back and forth like the wave or the wind. No, no, no. So God doesn't change. So the summary of the Old Testament, kind of like this. So God doesn't change. So he says, guess what? I'm going to change you. I'm going to change the people. And give them a new covenant. So Jeremiah chapter 31, 32, and 33 are this beautiful, awesome section in Scripture that we're going to look into. So take your Bibles and let's go to Jeremiah 31, starting with verse 27. Jeremiah chapter 3. And I encourage you again to read this this week. Jeremiah 31, starting with verse 27. The days are coming, declares the Lord. Remember last week we even used that. The days are coming. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offspring of the people and of animals, just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down and overthrow, destroy, and bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. Now remember when this week when I was reading, I was like, wait a second. And animals? What, what's going on here? This is, should be all about God. But what happened is they have been taken into captivity. Economic failure. We kind of felt that this year. I don't know where we're going to go with economic problems we have here. But they had total destruction. They lost everything. Their homes, all their farms, everything was gone. Can you imagine if everything was just wiped away? You were gone for a couple years and you came back and nothing left. Total economic failure. They've had this siege upon them, exile, and God says, guess what? I'm going to do something new, and I will take care of you and even the animals. I'm going to restore this in a beautiful way. Another thing I notice is this last part. Notice how God, even in the exile, did not completely abandon them. I watched over you when destruction was happening, and I will watch over you when you come back. God will not abandon his children. Even destruction came, he still had his eye on them. Look at the next couple verses. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand, led them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. So here we see that Jeremiah is speaking about not the covenant with Abraham, but the one with Moses. So this new covenant, we're going to take more time next week talking about the new covenant here and how Jesus did this. But this word new, the Hebrew word new can mean two things. New as in brand spanking new, or kind of like a new edition. I've got a couple books in my office. It's the seventh edition. It's been updated in a new way. Or I've got the first edition. It doesn't look like a brand new because it's pretty old. When translating this term, it's interesting that the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is called the Septuagint, they use the Greek word not brand spanking new, but a new edition, a new brand. Brand that's going to be different. Again, the failure wasn't God. The failure was the people. Not in the covenant, 
the first covenant was good it's an expression if you look at romans chapter 7 it talks about the 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 law was good it was holy it was just it's not that it's bad but the people failed the law is an expression of god's holiness and its care for the people still the first one was limited and god never meant or intended it to be the final one because he knew it had to be changed and ratified and renewed the new covenant coming take a look at verse 33 this is the covenant i will make with the people of israel after that time declares the lord i will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts i will be their god and they will be my people now the first law again talking about the law to moses it was written on what anybody stone tablets yeah it was written on stone outside of them so here it's something they had to approach and they had to come to it was engraved in tablets and they couldn't receive it because you could say it was outside of them they had to go to the law and read it now the law will be in them and engraved not on stone but engraved on their hearts the people needed the law and the covenant in a different location so really the new covenant is about location the law was out here and the covenant was out there now it's going to be inside of them the location is different the deficiency was in the people but a time is coming when it will be in them now one will be transformed not by approaching it by the spirit dwelling in them in fact if you take your bibles go to chapter 32 verse 39 i will give them singleness singleness of heart and action so they will always fear me and that all will go well with them and for their children after them so now god's work will be dwelling in them all right verse 34 no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another know the lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the lord now under the old covenant the teaching came from the priests came from those officials who were taught to teach it again it's not saying that you shouldn't teach the bible at all of course now we see in the new testament they teach all the time now in the new it will be god himself they won't need a priest but god himself will be the mediator and they will be able to read it without needing someone to say all right here's what it says knowing god in the old testament was restrictive but now knowing god through jesus will be easy for all to do the end of the verse says this for i will forgive their sins and remember their sins no more now the threat of punishment is gone forever to those who turn to god and here's one new way the new covenant is different from the old in the old covenant that was broken by the people they had a promise but they had to each time go and go to a priest do a sacrifice, do different things. Here we have a promise that is found in the new covenant community where God himself will be writing the law on their hearts and they can have total access to God, not through a sacrifice each time because Christ would be. And, listen to this, he would remember their sins no more. It's done. When you're forgiven, you are forgiven. A new covenant is coming. Again, the new covenant we'll talk about next week has much to do with the old. Both are brought and instituted by God. They have the same moral law. They have their reach first to the Jew and to the Gentile, but there's differences. 
So take your Bibles now and go to Hebrews chapter 8. I'll turn to Hebrews here, but the wind will blow it a different way, I'm sure. Hebrews chapter 8 in the middle, all the way to the end, I think it's the end or middle of chapter 10, all talks about the new covenant and the beauty of it. And again, remember, Hebrews' big theme is this. Guess what? There was this high priest. Guess what? Jesus is greater. Oh, you had Moses? Jesus is greater. Oh, there were sacrifices? Jesus is greater. Now, guess what? There was the old covenant? Guess what? Jesus is greater than that. In fact, take a look at Hebrews chapter 8. See how it quotes what we just read? Right here, it gives you Jeremiah 31. Here it is. But look at verse 8. But God found fault with the people. Again, the fault wasn't in the covenant. Although the covenant was limited, the fault was in the people. But look at the last verse there in verse 13 at the end of that. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete will soon disappear. The Old Testament points to the New Testament. And the foreshadowing of it, Hebrews explains. Christ is the fulfillment of that. God is going to cancel the old, and now with Christ, and we'll deal more of this next week, He is the fulfillment of that. The old came by Moses, but the new one comes by Christ. The Old Testament required repeated sacrifices. The New Testament, one sacrifice, once for all, to cover the sins of many. Jeremiah is saying that the new covenant provides a greater and fuller experience of these blessings. The presence of God's power and the assurance of God's work, which the old covenant didn't have because the people failed. Again, summary is, God made this covenant with the people. I will be your God, you my people. Guess what? The people failed, the people failed. Something needs to change. God doesn't change, so he changes the people and a new covenant is within them a change is needed an example is this when we first moved back from washington state it was the first of december my wife and i think it was grace flew and was it yeah you guys flew and the rest of us packed in my truck loaded up my truck and said all right let's go so we drove get over the cascade mountains oh there's snow i loved it i'm like oh one thing i enjoyed about washington was there's always snow up in the mountains if you didn't want snow just stay out of the mountains even in July, there was snow up in the mountains. As we get over the mountains, we're driving, and we finally get out of Washington, Idaho, and then I realize, uh-oh, things have changed. I'm in a different area, different time zone, but even though I'm within the United States, something major has to change. So I quickly went to a gas station. Now, Autumn's probably like, what's going on here? See if you remember what I'm talking about. I pull in a gas station, get in there quick. I need new windshield wi wiper fluid. She's laughing at this like okay so i grabbed some because in washington where we live the temperature got to maybe maybe 20 degrees so the kind i had there was like kool-aid right you know blue kool-aid when i got to where we live kind of this area what's going to happen in december that will freeze up and oh so i at the gas station I sat there and just pushed the button for 10 minutes whoosh, 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 to empty that thing people drive by and go what is in the water all over you know fluid all over and, yeah, i'm sitting there one guy watched me for like five minutes like what is that guy doing I'm in a different location now. Things have changed. 
The Old Testament was great for that period, but God knew that people would fail. He knew that something had to change. You had to get new fluid in you. you know? Now the covenant, now the work of God is within us. Just like I changed my washer fluid. A change was needed. And here's the great hope found in Jeremiah. Something better is coming for the people. And they'll have a better relationship with God. So again, as we do often, turn to the book of Romans, chapter what? Chapter 8. Take your Bibles for real and go to Romans chapter 8. Some of you are like, okay, guess what? I memorized it, Pastor Cody. Awesome. I encourage any kid, if you memorize it, high school age or college or age or whatever, guess what? You memorize this quote, and I'll take you out to the biggest steak meal we can have. All right, here we go. Look at this first part. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Again, the Old Testament, we'll see this in a couple weeks, the Old Testament basically was a mirror saying, guess what, you can't do it. You're going to fail at this. The law just basically points out your sin, and the law is messed up because of our sin. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, see, there it is. God did love this god did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering and so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit all of this happened because christ was that sacrifice for us the new covenant is beautiful it's wonderful what the law could not do it was weakened by the sinful nature god did by sending his own son jesus has come and we can know him in fact the only way the only way to know god is through jesus i can imagine in a few years i will get in trouble saying that at this church but i don't care Jews who are Jewish to the core, if they don't have Jesus, here it is, they cannot know God. Can't know God without Jesus. All other religions trying to find God, if they exclude Jesus, they will not make it. This isn't something we made up. It's what Christ said. He is the only way. And next week we'll look more at how Jesus did all of that. So let me end with this. The greatest hope we can have is found in Christ alone. The greatest help, if you need help, the greatest help is, in, is totally found in Christ alone. And your worth as a person is truly found in Christ alone. Let's pray and do one more song because some of you are starting to go like this. It's getting cold. Father, I thank you for the new covenant. The Old Covenant was cool, it was amazing, but you knew even before the first man breathed, before Adam breathed, you knew sin was coming. You had a plan, and that plan was found in Christ Jesus. So we thank you for that. So bless our time as we sing this song and be agents for you. In Jesus' name, amen.